The 630 Chad Afternoon News, brought to you by California Closets, for the love of home. 306, Jayla Nye, Andrew Gross, uh, Oilers in action tomorrow playing the Senators. City Ford Faceoff show gets mm. underway at uh, 530. Nice. So, don't know where you want to go now, Jay. Up to you. Well, let's talk about uh, this Yelp review. Yeah, it's interesting. Funny you should say that. I've got it in front of me. Um, Reviews are a funny thing. You asked me earlier a very general question, good trip? And I said, yeah. I I finished the TripAdvisor review this morning before coming to the meeting um, and rated the hotel as terrible. But... Um, qualified it by having some very positive things to say about it, but in general could not recommend this hotel, would not recommend it to friends, and would not brag about the hotel here um, for many reasons that I, I specified. Now, we all know that reviews are very subjective, um, but what happens when somebody gets a bad review? I mean, it's one thing to think it's unfair or that, the facts are not right or not given an opportunity to reply to it. But this story is really just weird. Yeah, there's a there's a couple in, in Texas now facing a lawsuit demanding thousands of dollars over a negative online review about uh, a, a pet sitter. A, a, a pet and they had two dogs and a fish and they wanted yeah. someone to come in and, and take care of them while they were away. Sure. Just and feed the dogs, feed the fish, keep that, the tank clean. Yeah, and they wrote the online review afterwards, giving the business one star. And, well, guess what? Now they have a lawsuit. Yeah, and here's why. And it's a funny thing, just as an aside, that they make mention of the fact that they could see that the water was getting a little cloudy mm-hmm. in the fishbowl, for example. So by that, I'm assuming that they had some way to turn some on a camera up or something. Yeah, yep. so that they could sort of keep an eye on what was going on in their home, which, you know, that's prudent, nothing wrong with that. Um, they wrote what they felt to be an honest review, one star. Now, the reason they're being, they first got slapped with a cease and desist order, then a lawsuit in which the company claimed the one star review would cause irreparable and continued libelous and slanderous harm. Now, a review is a review, but it turns out in the fine print of the contract that the couple entered into for their services that part of the contract was, you can't give us a bad review. It says the agreement prohibits you from taking any action that negatively impacts the business. So you hire someone, you're going to pay them to look after whatever it is that you're doing, but if anything goes wrong, you're not allowed to say anything. Right, and the internet has sort of been the cause of this in many ways because we all agree to the terms and conditions on these various apps and law, you know, websites, and nobody ever reads them, and they're quite lengthy. And uh, but this is another example of where we, reading the fine print of a contract that you're actually putting your signature to is probably a prudent thing to do. It's clearly stated in the contract you can't mm-hmm. criticize us. So in a contract like that, you have the option to put a big X through that, get both parties to initial that I don't agree to this aspect of the contract. You can go, go with another service. Yeah. But they agreed to it. So now the only thing left is to determine whether or not that's a legal component of a contract. Some jurisdictions, it's not. Um, some provinces in Canada don't allow for that sort of clause. And it, while it doesn't void, it doesn't void the contract, or it doesn't void the contract, the contract's still legally binding, that particular uh, clause would be thrown out, mm-hmm. but not in Texas. So 
they're all, they're getting sued. Sixty seven hundred dollars in damages. A hearing set up for April fourth. Um, now, I don't know what to make of that. If you're, they did agree to it. They, they signed, signed the, the contract. contract. They clearly didn't read the contract, yeah. or if they did read it, they didn't take it seriously. So. Well, on the one hand, this whole freedom of speech, and that's the whole point behind Yelp and TripAdvisor and all these other sites, is to garner to give some reviews. So yeah. all reviews are supposed to be great, and right, then you what know, would they, be the point? Exactly. You know, there is a difference, I think, between people who go on and review whatever it is. It could be a, a restaurant, it could be a hotel, it can be dog sitters, whatever it is. There's there's the ones that just seem a little. Yeah. Over the top. You know, well, the sand was too sandy or right. the, you know. <laughs> didn't know there'd be fish I didn't the know sea. there'd be dogs here. Right. You know, th- that sort of stuff. That, it just seems a, a little too much. Um, you know, if there's the happy medium, though, but shouldn't you be able to take some constructive criticism? And again, I think maybe it's the way that it's written. Mm-hmm. Um, is it constructive criticism and the way then that you turn around and handle it? You know, I've been on all those sites and I see how some of the, the hotels, the restaurant owners, the business owners respond back. Um, and there's really good ways of doing it and then really, really crappy ways of doing there it. There is. And, you know, Yelp has tried to deal with this before. Yelp was in the headlines not too long ago talking about trying to prevent people from putting false reviews. Yes. Businesses reviewing themselves in a positive way. They were um, they were be, they were trying to put an end to blackmail type reviews where somebody would take the review down if the restaurant gave them a little something, that kind of thing. They're trying to run an honest business. But... When you look at this, you think, well, you know what? This really puts a lot of weight behind the idea of being anonymous because you can't sue me if you don't know who I am. And that's the opposite of what I want. And I think what most people want on the internet, I'm I'm tired of the anonymous internet. So here's somebody who had a legitimate complaint. And I've read the review. They didn't trash the company. They pointed out that, you know, you forgot to leave me my key when you left. You didn't bill me properly. Not really feel. I don't really feel that you did the services you said or I asked you to do. So therefore, would not use you again. One star. Mm-hmm. Boom. That's it. They didn't trash the company in my mind, and I wasn't there. And I don't know, but they just said what they saw, and that would be if I was looking for a pet service in Texas, I would read that and go. Eh. So is it the business owner being a little too mm, uh, sensitive? I think the business owner is running a scam. Quite frankly, I think the fact that they've put this clause in their contract, they've completely released themselves from providing a decent service because you can't do anything about it. Yeah. They'll sue you if you don't pay. They'll sue you if you complain. Um, and you've agreed to it. So, I mean, I don't know what lesson is to be learned here. Read the contract, I guess. Well, read the contract. And I guess I, I, you use you use review sites quite uh, liberally. Extensively, yeah. Um, I... I kind of do. Interesting sometimes when, you know, if, if you know, doing some traveling. But when it comes to restaurants and stuff like that, even in the city, I, I don't check into Yelp or check into TripAdvisor or anything like that and, and, and go too far too deep into the reviews. Because at the end of it all, it's like someone, it's like anything. It's up to your own interpretation. You can go to a movie and think it yep. absolutely sucked and other people sure. thought it was the best thing in the world. Everyone's right? experience is different. Is different. Yep. Um, and, and that's that's one of the things. And I can understand why businesses would be very concerned about numerous negative reviews, especially if they're not true. Yeah. Right, if people are doing the, the, the you, fake ones. You but. hit the nail on the head right a second ago, though, when you said 
how they react to a negative yeah. review. In this case, they sued the customer. <laughs> and you're right that we read reviews. Now, we do read the really terrible ones for almost everything out of pure entertainment value. But there is also a lesson to be learned in how the business mm-hmm. reacts to those reviews. And where you see, and this is just me, and I have a right to decide the way I decide, I read a really terrible review. And then I look to see what the company says. Mm-hmm. If the company says, okay, look, here's what really happened, or you said this, but we know this to be true, and they take the time to sort of break it down and analyze it, that tells me that the company at least made an effort to look into it, correct it, compensate, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think, okay, so everybody can have a, a bad experience, or every company can have a bad day, or, or whatever, and I like that. Companies that don't respond at all, mm-hmm. I think, okay, well, if they're not responding to this review, um, I'm concerned about how responsive they'll be to my concerns when I'm actually using their business. But to have a company sue somebody yeah. for bad, I mean, I would just, I would not walk, I would run from that company. I, that's your solution. You didn't provide the service contracted. And if I tell somebody that that's true, you're going to sue me. Do hotels, restaurants, and things like that get on these sites? Do they pay to be on these sites? Do or they do pay they to be listed? Have, no, or... you can you can pick any... If if it's not already been reviewed before, you can you can just do it, right? Do it, and it will become a new category. And that, and that, yeah. And then it's almost like there needs to be a, in some cases, probably a full time person there to to be dealing with well, that and, page. And there right? is, there is. If uh, and I, I use TripAdvisor quite a bit. As I say, I did the review this morning. You won't be able to see it for at least two days. It will be read by somebody at TripAdvisor to ensure that it meets all the criteria and guidelines of a TripAdvisor review, which are very simple. And, you you know, you can't unfairly claim facts that you mm-hmm. don't know to be true. You can't use poor language, or, you know, profanity. Keep it above the belt kind of thing. They'll review it. I've never had a review turned back. Um, I've had them ask me a follow-up question. Mm-hmm. You said this. You know, can you elaborate on that? And I have. And then the review's been published. But the company is then told that there's a review. So, you know, my hotel in Cancun, for example, will be notified that they've gotten a poor review from a guest and they will have every opportunity to reply to that and address those concerns. They won't sue me, hopefully. I should read the contract again. You should have read the contract. (laughs) News when you need it. Fun when you want it. This is the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Chad. So from from that um, internet review sites, whatever, to, to this story, and I, I saw this while you were away. So it's uh, yeah. and, and I just I can't I, I can't believe that nothing can be done about this. And I I watched it on the national the other night, and it just had me shaking my head. And it's a man, a BC man, has who has created a oh. revenge website. Yeah, and. St- Straight out, his the guy's name is Patrick Fox. He said in an interview that he created this site about his ex-wife to cause, quote, as much damage to her reputation and life as possible. That he wouldn't physically hurt her, her uh, he would not uh, harm her. He said if she killed herself, that would be great, but it isn't the goal of the site. He goes on to say, I just don't believe that she brings anything positive or good to the world at all. And I don't think the world is going to be worse off when she ceases to exist. So she, he's made this revenge site has her name on there, her full birth date on there, her height, her weight, everything. Her address, phone number, everything. You know, claims that she's a... a White it was supremacist, a, a, a child yeah. abuser, a drug yeah. addict. All 
all not true. And and she can't do anything. She says, I, I don't have the money to, to fight this. But by his own accounts, this is a person who set out to ruin somebody else on the internet by setting up this website so any employer who might go Google her name, this is all that's going to come up. And there is seemingly nothing that anyone can do about it. Uh, the BC Crown has made a decision not to charge him. Right. Not to charge this guy. You're going to be shocked to learn that I'm, I understand. Uh, and just to make matters worse, I'll, I'll throw a little more fuel on the fire mm-hmm. for you. When he was asked, well, what's the point, basically? Yeah. What, what are you trying to accomplish here? Um, he said he would take the site down uh, if she reached a low enough point in her life that satisfied him or if she died. It would be great if she killed herself. Um but that isn't the goal yeah. of the site. So he's done it to, as for the things you said. They have a child together. Right, they do. In which uh, a child, which he claimed on the site, by the way, she abandoned for four years and, and lived on the street or something ridiculous like that, which is, again, not true. Here's the thing. The RCMP investigated this. Mm-hmm. They recommended to the Crown that charges be brought. Um, the Crown disagreed. And the Crown disagreed basically because... The charges that the RCMP were attempting to bring were those of harassment, um, that she was in danger physically. Mm-hmm. She wasn't. And and the reason she wasn't, and this isn't the first time there's been a ruling like this, she wasn't in immediate danger because he had been deported from Canada. He was not allowed back in Canada. They weren't living anywhere near one another. So there was no actual threat of physical harm. What has to happen here is a civil case. She needs to sue him um, civilly for for the words, for the lies, the, the libelous... But he's sending pictures, and again, yep. he's in the States, he's sending pictures of her, of him with a gun yep. and a, a spot on the border that he can get across. I mean, what about what about mental I know. harassment? To me, this is just... But there again, you have to sort of... To me, it seems that there needs to be more in place in this day and age when it comes Stop to this. online bullying and yes. cyberbullying and all of those things. It has to be tougher. It has to be stronger. The problem becomes... He's ruining her life. I know. I know. And my honestly, listen, I'm not... I'm very sympathetic to the situation. I'm not saying, just blowing it off, saying, well, mm-hmm. she should, you know, pull up, put on her big boy pants or whatever. It's just that the court has to look at the facts and say, is a charge of stalking or is there imminent threat to this individual? And they have to look at it. And again, I'm not a lawyer, but very black and white. Is he likely to bring real harm to this person? No. So the the crime that he's committing, if, not the crime, but the act that he's committing is slander and and libel. And those are, are something that he won't be charged with criminally. She has to bring mm-hmm. a suit against him. She can't because she can't afford it. Yeah. And, and if there were ever a case of where a GoFundMe project <laughs> made sense, this would be the one. And I would be the first to contribute to it because you're right. He's hiding in some cave in some hole in the United States dedicated to ruining this poor woman's life, ruining her 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 life, her credit, her ability to find a job, her child, his child's life. He's scum. And he's actually the one who the world would not weep for yeah. should he cease to exist. But what can you do? It's 
Well, That's what, the law. what needs to be done is that there, there needs to be changes to the law. The laws have to be tougher. They need to, someone needs to do something about, to, to, to put more teeth in the law when it comes to these things. And we've we've had these discussions ever since pretty much, you know, Retea Parsons mm-hmm. and, you yeah. know, the photos, all of that. And everyone, that family who had been pushing for change. And you look just down into the states. And I think the 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 the, the, uh, the law in the state is different, The in the states is different. But even those battles, there's a couple of yep. rev- Revenge sites down there that one guy was making a gazillion right. dollars off of that took years to get shut down. Right, and jurisdiction becomes a real yeah. issue when it comes to the internet because wherever in BC that this woman lives and the RCMP, I'm, I'll bet you they're they would love to shut this guy down. They have no jurisdiction where he lives in the United States. the The website's not hosted anywhere in Canada mm-hmm. where they can go to the server. and And I guess that brings up the question: so who? It, it, in a realistic world, who do you go after? Obviously, this guy's untouchable except in a civil action. And he can be sued, and he'll be found guilty, and he'll have to pay damages, mm-hmm. and he probably won't. But, he, you know, he can be sued for that. She can't afford the lawsuit. So in a in a normal world, wouldn't you just go, you would think, to whoever, whatever server is hosting that website and say, you need to take this down. But that never happens. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, and God only knows where that website is hosted. I can get websites hosted in India. I mean, it... There's well, hosts all over the world. So it's down and then it goes back up again. Right. It's somewhere I mean, else. I yeah. Saw this guy being interviewed on the news and I... I he has no I, regrets. I wanted to come through the TV. I know. And, and throttle him. Yeah. The guy's an absolute... There's no word to you I can use to describe him on radio in the afternoon. The guy's everything you... He's yeah. the lowest common denominator of individual you can imagine. And yet untouchable. Untouchable because, again, justice based almost entirely, particularly in the United States, on your ability to pay, um, she's just going to be out of luck. That's why I say I don't know who needs to step up or how they need to step up to help this woman, but somebody has to help her. It's 327. Something else, eh? Hey, uh, we were talking uh, just a moment ago and actually throughout the show about one way or another reviews. How about this review? This book, I, I, I don't know what to think of this book. And I'm curious to know what our listeners think of this book. 496-0063 or text us as you have been doing, 630-630. Yeah. So Robert Picton. Robert Picton has uh, written a book. It's 144 pages. It's called Picton in His Own Words. Um, Robert Picton, of course, was convicted in 2007 of murdering six women on his uh, Port Coquitlam farm. He confessed to an undercover officer that he may have actually murdered 49 women. Many sex trade workers picked up from the downtown east side, one short of 50, quote, because he got sloppy. That's right. She got away. you know the the trial that went on for this the the scrutiny that the RCMP had been uh, under and and through all of this but now this guy has managed to publish the, it, it's for sale yeah it's for sale and and now he's not allowed to write a book so we don't need to get up in arms about that that the prison system is uh, facilitating authors out of serial killers but the way he was able to evade detection from the prison authorities, he was he sent it out through a cellmate. So he made friends with a cellmate, a man who was convicted of sexually assaulting a child um, who got paid to do this. He was hoping to use that money to fund a lawyer to secure his own release. 
he was able to get it out to somebody in the United States who was then able to get it to a publisher who then published it. Now, can't find it in front of me, but when I first heard the story, and believe me, this story is making worldwide mm-hmm. news because I first read this story in Cancun, and the story was that this serial killer in Canada had published this book, was profiting from it, but there's no evidence that that's true. We don't know for sure that he is profiting from it. But even in Mexico, they were talking about talking it. about it, uh, that Canada would allow this to happen. And I think they were saying that the book was available from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Now, I went on Amazon to try and find the book and couldn't. So I don't know if I was on a different Amazon because I was in a different part of the world or I, I don't know. I couldn't find the book myself. Um, my hope is that Amazon took it down. But I don't know that they did. Well, and that was the push, really, because yeah. um, when you look at the, again, it's laws uh, provincially mm-hmm. that determine what's uh, legal and not. In Ontario, profiting off a book about your own crimes is illegal. Remember Paul Bernardo, that, um, well, and it wasn't necessarily his own crimes, but he had written a he, book. He did like right? a science fiction book That's or right. something. That's right. So yeah. in Ontario, profiting off a book about your own crimes is illegal, but lawyers and prosecutors are having troubles pointing to similar legislation in BC. Even then, though, it says it doesn't appear Picton is profiting from this publication, which could make it legal even if the Ontario law was. So where's the money going? Right. So in this article, it says a hard copy retails for 20 bucks Canadian mm-hmm. from American publisher Outskirts Press and is available as an e-book and mail order from online distributor Amazon. Um, and, he, you know, this 144 pages, which apparently unedited. And again, I know, and I'm sorry, I'm sketchy on this. If one of our listeners knows a little bit more, I would love to hear from you. I know that I can publish a book through Amazon. I know that there's a, an opportunity to do that. So perhaps that's how it was done. It was clearly, according to all accounts, not edited. Well, the other thing, too, is it's because the book is printed in the U.S., Canadian law. Doesn't apply, yeah. right. Uh, the book has spelling errors, has grammatical errors. It doesn't flow properly. So nobody... It's pref- ramblings It's of ramblings with biblical references. But among the claims he makes are that he was framed, mm-hmm. that the RCMP... I mean, they're just ridiculous claims. I'll save you the buying the 144-page book. Uh, among the claims are that blood found of one of the victims was actually the, the paste from wallpaper, uh, as though the police couldn't tell the difference between those two, that body parts that were discovered were actually discovered in cars that he had bought from an RCMP auction. And, and you know, just as coincidence would have it, the body parts were still in the car when he mm-hmm. bought them and he never saw them. I mean, just ridiculous, ludicrous claims. But for me, what it comes down to, you don't... On the one hand, you, you want to always respect the freedom, freedom of speech in, in one way or another. You want also... It's a slippery slope to start saying people are not allowed to read a particular mm-hmm. book. But this one just crosses the line. Here's the question, though. Here, and, and I wonder if this makes a difference, and I'm just playing devil's yeah, advocate yeah. here, and please realize that. If he is not profiting off of the book, does that make it better? And I don't know if better is the right word, well, but you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. a lot of people would would find it um, gag-worthy that, yeah, and very upsetting that he would be profiting about a book written about the crime. Sure. Right? But if he is not profiting, and I don't know where that money is going, and I and I don't, maybe, who knows, but if he is not profiting, is he still allowed to write the book and get it published? You know what? I don't know the answer to that. And, I, and I'll see your not profiting and raise you. Mm. What if the, the proceeds from the book were going 
to families of victims or we're going to something that aids families or victims of violence or and I sus- yeah and I, and I thought about that and I suspect most of them would turn around and say you know what don't want don't your want money, the shove money. It. right I don't know what to think of it I'd, my in- my gut tells me that he shouldn't have been allowed to to write it now he did he did skirt the, the he can re- write all he wants it shouldn't be published it shouldn't be published I, I'm disappointed I guess and again this is just my gut and maybe I'm just wrong I'm disappointed that a company like Amazon would carry the book uh, but again do we let Amazon decide what we should be reading or is Amazon simply a service to provide us with the opportunity to decide if we want to read that book I mean all we have to do is not buy the book mm-hmm but it just seems like so insulting to the families of people who've lost lost loved ones to this guy that there's a book out there in which he basically just says, I was framed, I didn't do it. Because victims were hoping that the book, and, and they had heard about the book coming, victims were hoping that the book would perhaps shed light on where they could find their family members who they mm-hmm. believed to be his victims mm-hmm. they were hoping that it would include a map of where he left them or a description of what happened to them or name some names it doesn't do any of that he simply denies that he did the crime and and i i this case goes back quite a few years now and i'm a little you know my mind is not as good as it used to be not as sharp as it once was my memory fades but i remember at the time listening to the to the uh, court proceedings and it seemed like the evidence was so overwhelming it was ridiculous in fact the evidence was so overwhelming that you wondered how he got away with it for so many years well there was because of the rain the, the dna was because of the yeah. pigs and the and all of that right yeah um because it was he had fed body yeah that sort of thing exactly um Okay, having said that, so we've had the Paul Bernardo book that wasn't about his about his right. crimes. It was uh, a fictional work about a dystopian future. The book disappeared from uh, online sales after, you know, significant public controversy. This one is, is causing controversy as well. It appears that it might have been taken down already, which is one of those things that happens. And I don't know how Amazon judges that. But here's another thing for you then. There's been, there was another book that was in the news last week, um, Dylan Klebold. And uh, who his partner in crime, him and his partner in crime, um, shot up Columbine how many years ago. The mother has now written a book. His mother. His mom has written a book. Okay. So, um, yeah, so Dylan and Eric Harris killed 12 students and a teacher wounded 24 more in a plan that, you know, took a year. You'll remember Columbine. Mm -hmm. Um, She's written a book. now, again, not profiting, it's going to a mental health thing, that sort of stuff, but talking about uh, the terror, the disbelief, the overwhelming, just everything, the, the, and I don't want to use the word experience, cause, but just the whole time, that moment, leading up to it, looking back, had you known, what would you have done differently? Mm-hmm. Is she allowed to write a book? Yes. And the, for me, the difference there is that we can't, hold responsible the parent for the actions of the child so and I think I think but there would there was a number of people and there probably would be a number of people still that would say had the parent um, been more responsible a little bit more whatever involved all those things maybe it wouldn't have happened okay but if that's true 
then as a parent, I'd like to read that parent's perspective mm -hmm. on that and see if I can't learn from that. And, and what is the lesson then to be learned? In hindsight, what were the warning signs? Uh, in hindsight, what would you have done differently? For me, and particularly given that the proceeds would go to something to help victims, I would read that book and, and try and, and learn from it. But I don't want to support an actual convicted murderer. And when the conversation turns to, well, you know, he says he wasn't, it doesn't matter. At some point, you have to agree that the court got it he's right. Found, he's, yeah, he's he was found, found guilty. Um, that's a fact. So I don't believe a convicted killer should be able to write a book and, and specifically shouldn't be able to profit. The parent thing is different. And, and again, like, I mean, I, I did the same thing at the time. How could you not have noticed? Uh, when you talk about Columbine, how could you not have noticed yeah. that your son had weapons, or how could you not have noticed that he was? And it's been fascinating. Know. Let me tell you something. I've been I've been tuned into this one because I actually want to know. I want to buy the book and I want to yeah. read it. And I, like the other books that I've bought and read about Columbine. Um, but you, you always want some sort of insight or some little tiny nugget that might explain it. And whether or not yes. you're ever going to get that tiny nugget that will explain it, because I don't think she will ever understand, understand it. Yep. How can you understand that? But, you know, saying she she had said at one point, kind of one of the last last year, last number of months of his life, you know, didn't go into his room at all. The door was closed. And she said, you know, looking back, I would have gone into the room. Absolutely. You can say, what if, what if, 20 ways from Sunday. It's not going to change anything now, but no. maybe give you a little bit of, I don't know, is it warning signs? Right. Well, that's just it. I mean, if you said that every parent who hadn't been in a teenager's room <laughs> uh, was guilty of bad parenting, then most of us would be bad parents, bad parents, right? Because um, most of us don't want to go in those rooms. Exactly. But when you do hear of these kind of tragedies, and, and I think this is a pretty common thing, you want, as you said, an explanation. So you read the articles and you try and find the answer to the question, why? And it's it's rarely there. And, and they try, you know, the, the reporters try, well, he, he didn't like a particular teacher, or he was troubled by this, or he was not good in school, but nobody can draw the conclusion that this led to that. The best you're going to get, because you can't talk to him, would be the parents' observations, and then you make your own choice yeah. after that. I agree with you. I'd read that book. I'd, I'd be curious to read that book, because I that's a, a day that will stick out in my mind Absolutely. forever. And, and I know there's been other tragedies, and but that's just one where you just go. It was like the first, why? though, right? Yeah, it was that first, right? And nobody was. It didn't feel like we were prepared for that sort of tragedy. We, I don't even think we had thought that that's something possible. like that could po possibly right. happen. Right. right? I, I've been, you know, her interviews and, and watching her and, and listening to her and reading the articles. It's again, it's it's fascinating because there's very very. Very few people who who would have that story to tell mm -hmm. uh, to that extent. You know what I mean? And so, and and I would point out as well that she, you know, not not to play this card too hard. Uh, she's a victim as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't even imagine. Regardless, we don't know how much she contributed to, if at all. But to have your child do something like that and then take their own life. Mm -hmm. I, I I don't know how you go on after that, and maybe it's very therapeutic for her to put it down in words to try and understand it herself. And as I say, I would I would try and garner whatever lesson I could from that, and if nothing else, just say, well, it can happen to anyone, and you know. But I yeah, I would be interested in that book. Is it out? Mm -hmm. Huh? Mm -hmm. What's it called? Uh, 
keep talking. Oh, okay. Man, you know, I think about I think about this kind of thing all the time. To be honest with you, maybe I'm just a morbid uh, thinker. But every time there's a tragedy like that, and and the only thing that bothers me about these sort of tragedies is when they discover later that there was a Facebook. Page. page or something yeah where it was all spelled out that the guy was going to do that but in that particular case as i recall there wasn't there was clues that in hindsight seemed quite clear yeah. uh the book is called a mother's reckoning okay. by sue klebold well it says it all in the title right there yeah and it just it's you know and this is just from a critic it says reading this book as a critic is hard reading it as a parent is devastating mm-hmm I suspect that many families will find their own parallels. The book's insights are painful and necessary, and its contradictions inevitable. It's an apology to the loved ones of the victims, an account of the Klebold's family life in the days and months following the shooting, a catalog of warning signs missed. Most of all, it's a mother's love letter to her son, for whom she mourned no less deeply than the parents of the children he killed. Mm-hmm. To the rest of the world, Dylan was a monster, but I'd lost my child. Mm-hmm. I, I, and 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 probably trying to figure out how to balance that, uh, looking at what your what your child had done and still loving them. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I, I right. Can, and, and yeah, no, I obviously can't imagine it. Hope I never have to obviously imagine it. The, the small child that you cha- whose diapers you changed and who you taught to ride a bike and who you threw a ball with. And then they do this incredible thing. And, you know, we all think, I think as parents that kids are going through stages or phases and we think that they'll come back out of it again. And, and I can, again, I can't imagine, but when something like this happens and you go back and say, Oh my God, all the signs were there. And I'm sure you're surrounded by people who say, why didn't you see those signs? I've lost my child now because you weren't a good enough parent to see the signs. But if you were to take those same signs, you might Almost any parent might say, well, actually... Yeah, my teen likes to be in his room all the time and blah, blah, yeah, all yeah. those things. Hunter right? went through a phase of uh, about a year there where he just really liked guns. Yeah. Uh, and not, you know, the real guns, but, you know, the air rifles yeah, yeah. and, you know, these pellet guns where you can buy them at Walmart and that kind of thing. He just likes shooting targets. Now, had he gone on some rampage with a real gun, uh, how would I defend that and say, yeah, he showed this real interest in guns. I didn't <laughs> see it as... Odd. Just thought it was another teenage interest, Yeah, right? they sell them at Walmart. I mean, what, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Four o'clock coming up. We have a lover boy tickets to give away this afternoon. You're kidding. Uh-huh. Porkapalooza. Hey, wait a second. Weren't we doing that when I left? Yeah. Wow, that's a lot of tickets. Well, and then you had Beyonce, and then last week I that's gave away right. James Taylor tickets. Got a big announcement coming on Friday, too. We Shh. sure do. Can't talk about it, but it's big. <laughs> it's really big. <laughs> uh, I'm really jealous. I am as well, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. But hey. That's we, just the way it is. Yeah. We got it pretty good around here. All right, let me put away pet setting business. <laughs> uh, heads up, Alberta is getting a fourth area code. Mm. Uh, so we had when, we, when I think moved here, it was just seven eight zero and four zero three, and now there's the five, well the five eight seven one who went effect th- a little while ago. Yeah, hey, I think when I first moved here, it was just four zero three. Oh, really? I think so. Yeah, and I think yeah because weren't people talking about how when British Columbia went from what were they six zero four? And they changed to 250. They did it the right way in many people's minds. They let the people in Vancouver keep the 604, yeah. and they gave all the riffraff in the country the 250. 
Um, I seem to remember that being the argument here is, well, how come we can't use 403 anymore? And we just became accustomed to having 780. I've always been a 403-er. Exactly. Now, 403 is almost like a dirty word. That guy's nothing but a 403-er. <laughs> but this 8, what is it? 825. Eight, it's coming our way. There's yeah. no stopping April it. April 9th. Yeah, and, and what's going to have to happen... This, in our world of technology, it affects businesses differently than it used to in the old days when they just came up with the new um, three digits because now there's some companies that program their phones not to accept long-distance calls. So if they don't come in as your local area code, the call won't go through. So they're going to have to reprogram, and God only knows how to do that, so that they can accept, what is it, 825? 825. That just doesn't seem very Have Alberta. you had this number show up on your phone at all recently? Uh, it seemed, it's over and over again. It's an eight. Five five number five six one three six zero three. Um, no. It's been showing up calling nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And to be honest with you, if someone calls my my number and I don't know the number, I don't answer it. Right. You can leave a message, and I might get around to listening to the message at some point. I'm not really good at doing that either. Otherwise, I figure if you know me, you're going to text me. Yeah. Uh, but this it was one of those. I finally accidentally hit it and called back uh, last night. It sounds like it's a survey of some some sort. I've been they've been hired by somebody to do a survey and it pretty much says right off the top if you know if you continue to ignore we'll just keep calling back (laughs) really i'm like just stop you know there was a time where you didn't get calls this is on your cell right it's on my cell phone there was a time where the argument for getting rid of a home phone was that exactly your number was on lists all over the place and really you only use your cell but now my cell is getting those calls i don't know this specific one but i've won cruises and i've got you know windows phones to repair my computer and i don't know where how my cell phone has gotten out there i mean there's a million ways it could have gotten yeah. out there and it was it that no me. call list right yeah and the stupid thing is is remember i think about a month and a half ago i told you oh no we haven't had the house line for ages i finally decided i was going to yeah, cancel get it. rid of it. Yeah. And then she talked me into keeping it for 10 bucks a month. I still haven't got <laughs> phones for the house. I don't even know what's on that. I can't even imagine that voicemail hey, when I get to it. We're, we're, I'm going to encourage people to... Uh, Everyone to call my home. No, I'm going to, I'm going to encourage people to, uh, to judge me. Because, oh, the, yeah, this is going to really? be a first world problem. Okay, you got 45 seconds. All right. Every morning, I said that the hotel was... I, I had a problem with the hotel. I, I, I didn't give it a good review. I'm not going to tell you what hotel, because I'm not going to use the station to do that. But the hotel was aware of my problems and my concerns and my objections, and they would phone me every morning at 9 a.m. to ask if yesterday had been a better day. <laughs> and on the third day, I was like, it'll be a good day if you stop calling me at 9 a.m., and, I'm and on holidays. I'm on holidays. Like, I'd like to sleep in. And she's like, oh, I'm so very sorry. The manager called me the next morning at 9 a.m. to apologize for getting three phone calls at 9 a.m. <laughs> it's like I say, it's not that they're a bad place. They just don't seem to understand vacation. 9 a.m. I understand you don't like getting calls at 9 a.m. I'm like looking at the clock going, I can't, I can't believe I'm having this conversation at 9 a.m.